It's time to ring that bell and take it home as Jimmy J calls it outside of the ring. Welcome to Take It Home TV. The most exciting time of the year is here. It's the Royal Rumble, baby! Less than two weeks away from the WWE's most exciting pay-per-view of the year, the Royal Rumble, and we, today, are going to start breaking down yours truly, Jimmy J's top 10 Royal Rumbles of all time on this episode, plus controversy, controversy, and more controversy on social media as usual, especially on Twitter. We're going to talk about the Tessa Blanchard rumors that are going around. I'm going to give you my thoughts and opinions on that situation. Where, and I'm looking far and wide, where has that long-term wrestling booking gone? We're going to get into booking as well and talk about some outlandish storylines and if WWE should continue doing some of these storylines. Not only WWE, but other products for that matter. All this and more on Take It Home TV episode number 51. First episode of the new year where we ring that bell and wrap up each and everything going on in the world of pro wrestling. And by now. If you don't know who this ruggedly handsome individual is with these melodious tones piping through your speakerphone, I am your host, the host that covers the most, Jimmy J. And now that I've got myself over, oh, I would like to think I did, and got that out of the way, we can talk pro wrestling. I'm excited. That is the one word, excited, right now. Okay, I could feel it. I feel like the warrior, the ultimate warrior. Because of multiple reasons. But uh, first and foremost, we are back as a podcast as well. So you could find us on Apple, on Google, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. You could find Taking Home TV once again. I'm excited about that because there's a lot of people that reach out to me and say, Hey, Jim, you know, I know you know you have exclusives on the channel and I did subscribe, I am a subscriber, but, you know, sometimes it would be nice just to listen to some of your work, because I'm always working, and I'm driving, I'm going, I'm moving and grooving all around, all over the place, so I said, you know what, listen, great idea, I'm going to bring it back as a podcast, for those that enjoy listening, I mean, I know, maybe, maybe you're tired of seeing this mug, maybe you're tired of, of seeing this ruggedly handsome guy, maybe you just want to hear it, because you want to hear my thoughts and opinions, and if so, hey, listen, I'm really not that important, but if you enjoy it, then hell, why not? Go ahead, take a listen. I appreciate all the support. Everybody out there, you can follow us. If you don't know, now you will know where to follow us. On Twitter, at jhag719, that's jhag 719 On Instagram, at Take It Home TV. Like us on Facebook, at Take It Home TV. And subscribe below if you haven't done so already. Because listen, guys, girls, bell ringers, I have a lot of exclusive cool content coming your way. I mean, I'm talking about indie wrestling recaps and much, much more interviews with some of the talent. It's going to be a lot of things to talk about on here. And, well, you know, this episode, I don't like really starting off on a bad note, okay? But I want to get the controversy out of the way. I want to get it out of the way. We're going to talk Tessa Blanchard right now. There's been a lot of rumors and and people coming out of the woodwork. Women coming out of the woodwork to comment on a recent tweet that Tessa Blanchard had tweeted out about, you know, women coming together or whatnot, okay, Uh, that we need to stick together. And, well, a lot of women did not like this response and basically calling her 
indirectly a hypocrite because Chelsea Green, for one, had said, well, you have, you know, literally belittled and put down numerous women, including myself, okay, uh, somebody had said that they have gotten spat on by Tessa Blanchard, uh, she dropped the N-bomb, and, and all these, these stories that are circulating on social media right now, and I gotta give everybody my thoughts on this situation as a whole, and there's different layers uh, to this situation, okay, first and foremost, I believe that some of this is true. It has to be. Because number one, there's too many people coming out stating that Tessa was like this with them. Okay. Uh, do I believe everything is true verbatim what they're saying? No. No, of course not. There's always three sides to a story. There's this side, this side, and then the truth. Okay. Uh, and then I'll look at Tessa Blanchard. Let's, let's dissect this real quick. Let's dissect her saying the N-word. Okay. Dropping the N-bomb. Now, racism... Okay, this has been something that has been going on for God knows how long. And it's still relevant in today's world. Okay, whether we like to admit it or not. There are people out there that are racist. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but you got to almost feel sorry for those people. Because they're narrow-minded. Okay, and I look at it like this. I'm going to give an example. I don't know if it's true or not. Now, even if it... Let's say it's true. Let's say Tessa said this. I am not justifying what she said at all. Zero. But you also, people, I'm trying to make everybody understand the other side of things. You know, sometimes, especially when it was said, I mean, think about this. If it was said maybe like the early 2000s, sometimes people use that term in a different context. They use that word meaning like friend or whatnot, okay? Because people have done it. I grew up, people say it all the time, okay? Especially over here in New York City, Um it depends what kind of context that this word was used in. Now, from what I understand, it was used in a negative way. It was not used in a positive way or just meaning like, hey, we're we're cool or whatnot. Um, I think personally this word should not be used at all. It should be abolished. But anyway, uh, what Tessa said was, if that was the case, is completely wrong. And I try to think about, you know, mentally, where was she coming from at this point? Like... You know, the older generation stuck in their ways. And you got to remember, Tessa was raised by that older generation, by Tully Blanchard. And this is with all due respect to everybody out there. I'm not saying that their beliefs, meaning they, meaning the older generation, uh, are correct in any way, shape, or form. But what I am saying is that it is hard to teach an old dog new tricks. It is hard to convince somebody who's stuck in their ways to change their mind and mentality. And if she was raised like this, this is how, you know, she thinks. And unfortunately, she is narrow-minded. Okay, so again, you almost have to, like, feel sorry for her for being like that. Now, look at it from a business and a personal standpoint. Now, you got to separate the two, obviously. But look at it from a business standpoint, right? Tessa is one hell of an athlete. I give her credit no matter if she's racist or not. Straightforward. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay? I'm not justifying that. But I'm going to give you an example out of my own life. I was a dispatch supervisor for an Accessoride company. Accessoride is an elderly transport company out here in New York City. I had a driver, African-American descent, 
he was openly racist. He did not like Caucasian people, did not like white people, made it known, okay? Still to this day, I don't understand how he <laughs> had the job because of that, because there should be no racism at all going on. But anyway, let that go. I was a supervisor that I had to handle all the drivers, all the issues, and the scheduling. And one day, I'm walking out in the, in the lot where everybody goes to uh, cash out their money from what they receive from the transports or whatnot, and he sees me over there. And he's like, hey, he calls me by my last name. <clears throat> I got to tell you something, man. And you know how I feel about white people. Straightforward, he says. But I respect the hell out of you. And you know what I told him? Because this gentleman was a, a damn good driver. I said, man, I respect you too. And I have no issues with you know, your race or nothing like that. And it's okay. It's okay for you to feel the way you feel. Because I, I want to be the one to change your mind. I want to be the one to change your views. I wasn't upset at the fact that this man, because he was old school, he did not like white people. You know, he was stuck in the ways. He was probably raised differently. My goal was to show him that not all white people are bad. (laughs) Okay? Because, listen, there's bad in every single race. Impact Wrestling made a decision to give Tessa the strap. And I think that's the smartest thing that that business could have done. Because they have nothing to lose. They keep constantly repackaging that product. Constantly. Constantly. And... Because of all the drama going on with Tessa Blanchard, people are going to want to see what's going to happen next. She is going to have that real heat because of those allegations. Now, Impact Wrestling actually has a real heel. Okay? Nuclear heat. So, I think it's the right idea. I think that Impact made the right choice on putting that strap on Tessa. Plus, on top of that, you had a storyline that's been brewing for a long time. Why? Why would you just stop it and kill the whole storyline because of this that had came to surface? When technically, people, let's be honest here, we don't know what is true and what's not true. We don't know what was said. We were not there. Okay, we don't know who to believe. There is no audio or video proof of this. So, we have to basically go on assumption and we have to basically go on the majority and what they're saying that, okay, in some way, shape, or form, Tessa has been negative to the women in the locker room. Okay, because of multiple women coming out of the woodwork stating this. Tessa, obviously defending herself on this, but also stated that she is not perfect. She's far from it. So, I think with that being said, she's admitting to some of her actions, but she's also saying that, you know, some of this is just hyperbole. Some of this is just over-exaggerated here, okay? And I believe that we shouldn't really just stay stuck on this at all. I think that, you know what? It is what it is. Everybody is different. You know, you're not going to get everybody with the same personality. And It's like that. We're humans, people. Listen, some humans are more personable than others. When you meet people in person sometimes, it may not go with the image that you see on your TV screen all the time, okay? Because they're portraying different characters and they get paid to do so, okay? Or maybe just somebody's having a bad day. I mean, we could have bad days, people. We're all human. And you just happen to be the unlucky individual that had met that person on that bad day and they gave you that 
that negative energy and that that bad vibe, and it just killed your whole theory and thought of this individual. So I believe this. I believe that we have to give people chances. Okay, we can't judge based on you know what we hear because we don't know facts. If we had facts, if we had solid facts and proof that Tessa made a lot of these statements or said, you know, some of these things to to these women, then I would say, okay, yeah, she's definitely completely wrong. I have no clue why the hell she came out and made that made that um, announcement on Twitter that we need to stick together when she's clearly being a hypocrite. Uh, but we don't know. We don't know that. I mean, we can assume, but we got to move on. We have to move on. Tessa Blanchard is our new impact world champion. History was made. What's going to happen next? Well, guys, girls, bell ringers, you just have to tune in to Impact Wrestling. I do want to know. I am interested in hearing your thoughts and opinions of this Tessa Blanchard situation, how you feel about it. Please comment below on this. You can shoot me even an email. If you want it not to be you know, public, you can shoot me an email at takinghometv at gmail.com. I want to know exactly how you feel about uh, Tessa Blanchard and about this situation in general. Okay, but me finalizing my uh, thoughts on this right here. I respect Tessa for the athlete that she is. I was not there to hear. I did not hear or see her say any of these things. I do believe that something along the lines was said. Uh, but I believe in forgiveness. I am a positive individual. And I think that we have to show people sometimes that there are different ways of thinking. There are different ways of, of looking at things. And what you were raised on is not necessarily the right way of thinking and the right way of doing things. So I believe sometimes we have to change the minds. And that is my final thoughts on the Tessa Blanchard situation, honestly. I want to move on. I want to talk positivity, people. Uh, the Royal Rumble is coming up. It is approaching rapidly. As you see this right now, we're about a week and a half away from the Rumble. And I have this week and next week to talk about it. And next week, our episode of Take It On TV is going to be exclusively about the Royal Rumble. I'm going to break down the matches. I'm going to give you five more from five to one, my top Royal Rumbles. We're going to talk about those. I'm going to talk about the watch party I got going on in Forest Hills, Queens at Buffalo Wild Wings. But this Royal Rumble, Royal, prestigious Rumble Melee, Royal Rumble, created by Pat Patterson, the man was a genius just for this alone, okay? And it's so simple. You have a group of people fighting for our number one contendership spot at the World Championship. Whoever the World Champion is, at WrestleMania. The greatest stage of them all. And the Royal Rumble, man, you don't have to be, it's funny, because you don't have to be a WWE fan. You don't have to be uh, an old school wrestling fan or a new school wrestling fan. It doesn't matter what kind of fan you are. You want to watch the Royal Rumble because it's exciting. You never know who's going to come out and what number. You never know who's going to win. You never know what's going to happen. And that's the beauty of it. It's, this is my favorite event of the year, and I, I honestly cannot wait for this one coming up. Every single year, I'm excited about the Rumble. Do I get disappointed? Yes, I do. 
uh, may sound crazy because I like to see melees. I like to see a group of people beating the hell out of each other. So if it's a rumble where there's only three, four, five, six guys in the ring at once at most, I get upset. I don't know why. I just want to see 15, 16, 20 guys in the ring beating the hell out of each other. Sort of like a battle royal of some sorts. But you know what? Every rumble is unique in its own way. And it could be... It is. It's not. It could be. It is subjective what is labeled the greatest Royal Rumbles of all time. So right now on this episode of Take It Home TV, I'm going to deliver five out of my top ten Royal Rumbles of all time, in my opinion. And we're going to start at number 10. And number 10 is 1996. And I want to take you back to 1996 real quick. Let's think. 96. Transitional year once again. Okay. Key moments of 96. What do we remember? The Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. But it all started here at the Rumble. Okay. It started... With Shawn Michaels winning the Rumble. Back to back. He won 95, which we'll get into because it is part. I'd spoiler alert here. Spoiler. It is one of my top 10. Okay. Won 95, and now he won 96. Only difference is 95, he went on to Mania and he lost to Diesel. Did not win the title. He has a chance now to redeem himself, and he did just that. Now, the Rumble featured a lot of different people in it. It featured Jake Roberts and Vader and Yokozuna and Triple H and Diesel and the ringmaster Steve Austin. And, of course, Shawn Michaels, who won the Rumble by super kicking Big Daddy Cool Diesel right over the top rope and winning the match. And this was, I believe, the first Royal Rumble that was not the main event of the pay-per-view. Because the main event was Bret Hart taking on The Undertaker, and I believe it was because of a diesel interference that Undertaker lost, Bret Hart wins, and now we see it. We're starting to see the build between Bret and Shawn Michaels. I just thought that the whole pay-per-view in general was a damn good pay-per-view. Razor Moan had an IC title match, I believe, against Goldust at this pay-per-view as well. Um... Really good. Go back. Go watch the matches. Uh, watch the Rumble. Watch Bret Hart and Taker. You will not be disappointed. That's number 10. Moving along here to number 9. Fast forward. Fast forward to 2007. Okay, 11 years later. Talk about Shawn Michaels. Talk about the, the matches on the 2007 Royal Rumble were not that great. I mean, the only match that really stood out to me was John Cena versus Umaga for the last man standing uh, world Championship match, okay? And the Rumble itself, though, was the highlight for me, okay? A lot of good people in this Royal Rumble, and ultimately, it came down to Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And those two fought for at least five minutes or better after everybody was eliminated. And this was the first Royal Rumble that number 30 won the Rumble, and that was The Taker. Taker won... Defeated Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels very upset after being eliminated. Uh, but I just thought it was a damn good Royal Rumble match. So I want you to go back. And if you don't watch the pay-per-view, just watch the Royal Rumble 2007. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But moving along to number 8 on my list over here. <laughs> Rewind 10 years. 1997. The 1997 Royal Rumble overall was probably one of the most solid overall cards for a Royal Rumble, okay? 
The main event in this one also was not the Royal Rumble. We'll get to that main event. It was in San Antonio, Texas. And I remember, I remember this event vividly. Uh, I remember the opening match also with Triple H was a damn good opening match. Okay, and I believe it was against Goldust for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, They had a couple other matches on this card. Vader and Undertaker fought. And the Rumble really stood out to me, honestly, because Stone Cold Steve Austin, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, won this Royal Rumble for the first time. And it was by a fluke. He was out in the ring at one point. He was looking at his invisible watch. He was tossing people out left and right. But then out comes Bret Hart, and Austin's baffled. He's flabbergasted. Those two were fighting throughout the whole Rumble, and it led up to the Final Four, quote-unquote, which we'll get to momentarily here. Austin gets eliminated by Bret. Refs don't see it. They're on the outside attending to a melee that's going on, I believe, with Mankind or something going on outside. Bret then eliminates Vader and Undertaker at the same time. And Austin sneaks back in to throw out Bret Hart and win this match. And the refs declare him the winner. Bret is irate. This is very confusing this year because you would think that one would win the Rumble and then go on to Mania to face the champion. That's not what happened, and we'll get to that in a second. Shawn Michaels headlined the main event at this Royal Rumble against Psycho Sid, recapturing the championship in his hometown of San Antonio. A feel-good moment for Shawn Michaels, but it was short-lived. Shawn would relinquish the title, and that title would then go on the line, be put on the line in the next pay-per-view at the next pay-per-view, the final four, where it was Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and Vader going at it. And Bret Hart came out on top of this match, winning the title, but then losing the title on Raw to Psycho Sid. So now where does this all mesh in and mix together? Psycho Sid would go on to Mania to lose the belt to The Undertaker, and Bret Hart would go on to Mania to fight Stone Cold Steve Austin in the most iconic WrestleMania match of all time. Austin with that crimson mask in the ring. Did not tap out. Did not quit. Just passed out in a pool of his own blood. With Ken Shamrock as the referee in that matchup. One hell of a match. And I just think I just think about it now. And I think Austin thinks about it as well. The stars had to be aligned for this one, folks. This obviously was not the plan. But everything happens for a reason. And we've seen it happen for a reason. And that is what catapulted Stone Cold's career. That is what transitioned both him and Bret Hart's career. That double turn. Bret became a heel. Austin became a babyface. The Attitude Era was just beginning unofficially. The seeds were starting to be planted for that Attitude Era right here. So, 97, a big year for the Royal Rumble. I thoroughly enjoyed that pay-per-view. Now, number seven. Number seven. That we talk about here. For the Royal Rumbles. For the greatest Royal Rumbles of all time. And I spoke about it before. This man's been mentioned numerous times already. Shawn Michaels. 1995. 95. Started off with a bang. Razor Ramon, Jeff Jarrett. IC title match. Incredible opening match. Jeff Jarrett ultimately wins the IC belt. Another damn good match at this pay-per-view. You have to go back and watch. Bret Hart taking on Diesel for the world title. 
Uh, everybody interfered. It was a no contest because Backlund, because Owen, because Sean. It was everybody interfering in this match, costing both of these gentlemen the match. The refs had to throw it out the window. Nobody won. Leading up to the next match, which not it wasn't the Rumble. Actually, I got to actually rewind a little bit here. The main event at WrestleMania 11 this year was Bam Bam Bigelow and Lawrence Taylor. We all know that. And the seeds were planted at the Rumble again in the tag team match with Bam Bam, okay, and uh, Tatanka, I believe, going against Bob Holly and a kid. Um, and you seen the, the tension going. And Lawrence Taylor at ringside, Bam Bam, I rate after the loss. And, you know, they're going back and forth. This started that feud for Mania. But to be honest with you, man, I wasn't a big fan of that whole storyline at all. I got to be very honest with you here. Mania, for me, should have been winner of the Rumble taking on whoever the champion is. That should be the main event at Mania. And the champion at this point was Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Diesel was still the world champion. Shawn Michaels went into this rumble at number one and number two, the British Bulldog. And both of these guys fought to the end, but this was the quickest Royal Rumble of all time. Every one minute, somebody was coming in and out. I mean, I'm telling you, the ring filled up and it got emptied. The ring filled up again, it got emptied. And it came down to the beginning two, Shawn and the Bulldog. And the winner was going to walk arm in arm with Pam and at WrestleMania. And this was, the, this was the moment. This was the rumble that made history for that one foot moment. One foot! One foot! One foot! Vince McMahon over there on commentary about Shawn Michaels and that one foot touch on the floor. And he was not eliminated. Comes back in the ring. Throws out the bulldog. Wins the match. And Shawn Michaels going on to WrestleMania. Arm in arm. Pam in. Doing the thing in the ring. Heartbreak kid. Going against Big Daddy Cool Diesel. That's my uh, best Shawn Michaels impersonation I can do for you guys and girls out there. But yeah, Shawn wins the match. Supposed to go arm in arm with Pam Ann at Mania. But it turns out Diesel steals the girl from Shawn. And wins the match at Mania. Shawn does not win the title. At this year's Mania. But your Royal Rumble 95, a damn good pay-per-view overall. And now number six, the final Rumble I'm going to give you of my top ten right here. Very near and dear to my heart, the Royal Rumble 1998. And the pay-per-view overall was was great. It was phenomenal. But I want to talk about the Rumble match. This, I remember seeing on pay-per-view. And I remember being a huge, and I still am, a huge Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. I wanted Austin to win this Rumble. I wanted him to win, go on to Mania, win the title. That was it. That's what I wanted as a kid. If I look back now, and I didn't know if he was going to do it or not, but if I look back now, if I'd never seen this Rumble after all these years of history and still don't know what happened at that Rumble, I would tell you, I know, judging by the storyline, because we're smarter now, kayfabe is already broken, that Stone Cold was going to win. But back then, I was rooting for Austin, man. And this Rumble was significant for many reasons. Number one, Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, do love. Mankind, okay, or Mankind rather than Mick Foley. All three of these guys, whatever you want to call it, got thrown into this Rumble at one point or another. All three personas of Mick Foley were involved in this Rumble. It started with Cactus and Funk, Chairs chainsaws, everything going hardcore in the beginning, The Rock coming in number four, trash cans, all this going on, melee, ring fills up a little bit, gets emptied, we see Mankind, we see Cactus, and then at the end we see Dude Love, but none of them win the Rumble. Hockey Talk Man, 
made a surprise appearance at this Rumble, I remember. I remember Owen Hart getting eliminated by Triple H with the crutch. But it was Stone Cold Steve Austin's entrance that got me. Because everybody was waiting for him. They were waiting for him to come down that aisle. He had that target on his back. And Austin comes back from the crowd. Comes in from the crowd. Beating the hell out of everybody. Stunners here and there. Beating people down. Throwing people over the top rope. Austin made a damn good entrance. And the conclusion of this match featured the two greatest athletes in pro wrestling of all time. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Austin wins, stuns The Rock, throws him out, goes on the mania. We know what happens, folks. But this was the night that started it. We were on the brink of the Attitude Era. Stone Cold won this. In the main event at this Royal Rumble was Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And here's the other significance to this Royal Rumble. This was the match that set Sean on the shelf for four years. After taking a back body drop over the top rope, landing his thoracic and lumbar spine on that casket. It's a casket match, him and The Undertaker. Um, damn good match. We've seen that iconic moment, Taker popping out of the casket, Sean in the ring, Taker grabbing Sean's leg to drag him in. Sean, no, 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 scrambling. Taker drags him in those faces beating the hell out of him. Both men in the casket. What happens then? Ultimately, Shawn Michaels gets the victory. Locks Taker in there. Kane sets that casket on fire. And then the next night, we start moving along towards WrestleMania, but Shawn is injured. He knows it. We don't know it. We find out afterwards. Main event at Mania. Stone Cold wins the belt. The Attitude Era officially begins. But I got to rewind back to the next night on Raw for this. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson in the ring. McMahon in the ring. Austin comes out. You know, I always got a little bit of sign language, so here's to you. Flips off Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson pushes him for a shoot. Melee in the ring. McMahon saying, you ruined it, Austin. You ruined it, damn it. Sets up that Mania match where Tyson is now the referee, the special enforcer. And Shawn Michaels, he's part of DX. But it turns out, you know, he counts the one, two, three. Cold Stone, as he would like to say, gets the victory of the match. Uh, and Tyson raising Austin's hand at the end. Michaels, I rate afterwards. Tyson with that right hand knocking Michaels out in the middle of the ring. And uh, sending Shawn home packing. And the next night on Raw was very iconic. I know we're segueing off the Rumble, but I, this just goes to show you, folks, like how much of an impact the Royal Rumble makes on the year and on the storylines and on WrestleMania and on the future of the business. So, you know what? Maybe we haven't seen a lot of that in the past years, but this is what we are missing. We are missing. And I look at this right here. For those that are viewing this, I look at this right here, this DVD, the Attitude Era DVD. Okay, I believe they have two, but this is the first one. It doesn't even do justice to that era. Now, one could say, Jimmy, this was not the best era in pro wrestling. There were better matches elsewhere. Yeah, may have been true. But this set the tone. This changed the game forever. This era of pro wrestling forever changed the game. It, it was never the same again. Wrestling was never the same after the Attitude Era. Society was different back then. They were going with the times. Uh, I believe that things that they have done back in this era... You can't do nowadays because there's a sensitivity in the world and in, in, in wrestling right now. And 
You know, it's funny. It brings me to my next topic. We're going to get into it, actually. The next topic that I want to talk about, and the last topic on this episode, long-term booking and outlandish storylines. And it has a lot to do with this time period of pro wrestling. But before I get into that, folks, that was five out of my top ten. And I want to give a special shout-out now to all of the sponsors. So take a listen to the guys and girls that help out this show and support us. You know, very few people believed in yours truly, Jimmy J, since day one. Uh, But the one group that has a shot of wrestling. And I got to show them some love here. They support me, so please support them. A shot of wrestling anywhere you listen to your audio. Check them out. Take a listen to them. They've been doing this a very long time. They interview the guys and girls of tomorrow. They have incredible debates on there. Hollywood Mark Schwann, MJP, Green Man, I know there's much more to the team. Even myself, well, I'm included in the team as well. But really, just take a listen to these guys. Support them. They are in the trenches with myself and with others out here. These guys are doing the work. Check them out. Shadow Wrestling all over social media and anywhere you listen to your podcast. You hungry? You don't know where to eat? I have the answer for you. BWW. Buffalo Wild Wings, Beer Wings, Sports, or Beer Wings and Wrestling. Now, listen, they got specials all week long. You got to check out your local Wild Wings. Dollar beers, half-off wings, specials on different nights of the week. Whenever you are in the mood to eat and you don't know what to eat, just hit up your local BWW. I promise you will not be disappointed. And try they're all American burgers. I'm telling you, the burgers that they just added to their menu are the real deal. And it's 100% beef. It's never frozen. Check them out. Great food, great deals, great times. Wild things are going on at Wild Wings. You know, when I ask pro wrestling fans, what is your favorite rivalry of all time? Majority of them. Say Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon for the rivalry. And why do you think that is? Maybe it's because people could relate. People could be like, well, we've had a boss in the past that was similar to McMahon. Okay. Everybody, we don't want to, you know, listen to the boss when he's putting us down or degrading us or treating us like shit. Okay. This is what happens. Real-life storylines, real-life scenarios. Now, you think of rivalries, you think of storylines, okay? Booking, long-term booking. I think of Austin Rock. I think of Austin McMahon. I think of, you know, Rock and Triple H. There's many scenarios from this time period right here that I'm pointed to, if you can see this right now, the Attitude Era, okay, or just even the late 90s that, you know, you can look at and learn from. We don't have a lot of this booking nowadays. We don't have the long-term booking. The booking that had somebody, let's say, working towards that championship in a rivalry for years with a faction or with another individual that he just can't seem to win. Can't seem to beat this individual. Okay, And the payoff eventually happens where they finally do and become champion or whatever happens at that point. Um, We don't have a lot of this long-term storylines anymore. And and hopefully 
WWE starts going back down that route, okay? Because we want to be invested in these characters. We want to be invested in these storylines. This is the heart of pro wrestling, of the business. Because think about this right here. You know, you could say, well, you know, Jimmy, this is, it's all like an art. It's it's uh, a performance, whatnot. Yeah, it is. It is essential. It's like when you're watching a movie, okay? You could watch a movie. And it's like, you want to see a good storyline. You don't want people just to be out there acting. There has to be some sort of problem and solution within that movie. There has to be something that's happening that is going to make that movie function and operate. The heart of the movie, what is it? What is the moral? What is? What are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to sell me here? With wrestling, same way. You want to book it in the sense that, okay, this person has a problem with this person for this reason. Okay, but this person is the ultimate underdog and is never going to get an opportunity uh, to even face this person unless he goes through all these different obstacles. And then he finally does. And then finally gets the opportunity to face this person and then loses. And then it continues and continues until finally that person beats that other individual. And the payoff is real. Now, why don't we have that anymore? I don't know. Is it attention spans? I have no idea. But... This is what we need. We need more long-term storylines. Not, well, I'm going to have a few with you on Raw, okay, for four weeks. We fight in a pay-per-view, and then we totally forget about the feud the next time on Raw after the pay-per-view. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense, okay? They got to stop doing that. They're booking all over the place here, okay? It, it's too quick. It's quick booking. I was never involved. In this business behind the scenes, okay? I don't know how they operate, technically, okay? I've never seen it personally. But listening to other people speak about the inner workings of the company, I kind of get a better understanding how things work. But from a fan's point of view, from a fan's perspective, I want to see a storyline. I want to see characters. You know, it's easy to go out there and have a wrestling match, a pure wrestling match. And it could be a five-star match. But you may not remember that five-star match 5, 10, 15 years later. But if you have a character that's involved in that five-star match that had a storyline that was brewing and brewing for some time, damn sure, damn sure I will remember that. Okay, because think about this. Think about Stone Cold McMahon, okay? Stone Cold was a character. McMahon was a character. Both of them larger than life. Had a long-term storyline. Austin, anti-establishment. McMahon always wanted to put the handcuffs on Austin. Just never meshed well. Okay. And the payoff happened. Ultimately at the end. Where Austin won the championship again. Won it back again. Okay. And they even continued a few little you know, further in. 2001. You know, Austin turned heel and then became babyface. And then it was gone after that. Whatever happened. Austin... You know, eventually left the company because of injuries or whatnot. But the point I'm trying to bring out is, if you look at the majority of his career, it's always been him versus McMahon, the majority of his WWE career. That long-term booking and the payoff at the end. Why don't we have that anymore? Why? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Is it laziness? Maybe. Maybe it is. Is it the fact that People are not patient enough to see if it's going to stick. 
I mean, the only thing I see on TV right now that is actually long-term booking and outlandish is Lana and Bobby Lashley. And I think a lot of the people nowadays, the new wrestling fans, can't appreciate that. That's the truth right here. I think a lot of the newer fans out here, uh, they want to see something different. They want to see more high-flying, outrageous maneuvers or hardcore action. Okay, that's what I feel like the newer fans want to see. Okay, more striking, more physicality. They don't want to see a lot of the characters and the storylines or whatnot. And I just asked myself, I'm like, wait a minute though, like, when is enough going to be enough? You know, when is it going to occur to the newer fans that, you know, you can only do so much in the ring. You can only do so many crazy maneuvers and, you know, beat somebody down with barbed wire, whatever, until it gets to the point where, you know what, I can't top this anymore. Now what do I do? You got to go back to the roots. You got to go back to psychology. You got to go back to the basics, the fundamentals of pro wrestling. And this is what we got to go back to. And it has to go back to the moments and the characters because those are missing nowadays. Moments and characters. This time period possessed nothing but characters and moments. And that is why it is most remembered. That is why people deem it the greatest era in pro wrestling. Is it? Well, it's subjective. But think about it. Why is it so remembered? Why? Why is it labeled greatest ever in pro wrestling? It's simple. The answer is right there. It's because of the characters and the moments that were created during that time period. And there was long-term booking, yes. There was booking. There was booking long-term, man. Stop this month-to-month booking. You can't do it. Eliminate it. I'm telling you, you will be more successful like this. Patience is a virtue. You have to be patient. You have to see. I understand right now, there is way more options for pro wrestling than what there were back then. But if you believe in your brand and if you're confident enough, you know, it's going to be successful. You have to give it a shot. You have to bring this kind of booking back. You have to bring these characters and moments back. You know, I look at AEW right now. AEW is a tremendous organization. But the one thing AEW is lacking is characters. They can book long term. You know, I think they can make tremendous storylines with like Cody Rhodes and, and the Rhodes family. They, they can create that storyline. MJF, what's going on right now. I could see it, definitely, 100%. But I don't see the characters. And I don't see as many moments as I've seen. i got to give it some time. I'm not going to rush it. Okay, I am from the old school. I'm from, I guess what they call the old school. It's really not the old school, but the, the 90s. And the 80s wrestling that I used to love to see. Okay, Now, you think about that. Think about this, the 80s wrestling. A lot of things back then weren't even booked either with storylines. They weren't. They were just like, okay, this guy's having a match with this person and that's it. Why? What like why are we like not progressing? Why are we not getting past this era? Why is this era labeled the best era in pro wrestling? And I gave you the answer before. So why can't we find the solution for WWE? That is the question, okay? Is it McMahon? Is it the writers? Is it the laziness? Is it you know the lack of real creative people. Is it that people are just comfortable? We don't know because we're not behind the scenes. 
But at the end of the day, the end of the day, the only way I think WWE is going to come out from the slump that they're in is if they try something different. And this is what they got to do. This is what I believe they have to do. They have to give it a shot. Book long term. Have these outlandish storylines. Like Lana Lashley, people can hate on that storyline. Maybe they're not the greatest on the microphone because they're not, okay? But the fact that they're continuing with it and they're having different layers and there's substance to it, that's why I'm enjoying it, okay? And I can see now Rusev turning into this character and Lana turning into this character. Maybe not so much Lashley because Lashley's still got to develop. I don't know, man. He's just not, something's not clicking uh, with Lashley for me. But you know what? You can see it. You can see things starting to develop, okay? It's entertainment, people. We know this. It's predetermined outcomes. So entertain me, all right? Put on great matches. I have a little bit of everything. Put on great matches. Have great stories. Have great characters. Just make it work. And that is my thoughts on this. But, Bell Riggers, listen, we are out of time on this episode. Episode 51, Take It Home TV, the first episode of 2020. I plan on having a lot more this upcoming year. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about my final five Royal Rumbles of all time, in my opinion. We're going to break that down. We're going to break down the Royal Rumble match card. I'm going to give you my predictions. I'm going to talk about the watch party at Wild Wings. There's a lot to talk about, but next episode is everything Royal Rumble. So stay tuned for that. If you haven't followed me already, follow me on the Instagram at Take It On TV, on Twitter at JHAG719. That's J-H-A-G-G-719. Follow and subscribe below right here if you haven't done so already. Like us on Facebook at Take It On TV. So for myself and, well, my friends, I guess right here, the legend Mick Foley, Brett the Hitman Hart, the Attitude Everything In Your House, the Jim Ross. Jim Ross, little figure right here. Guys, we're going to continue to do what we do best this whole year. And moving forward, we are going to ring that bell and wrap up each and every week in the world of pro wrestling. Have a blessed weekend. Enjoy wherever you're going. And please... Let me know if you're attending any indie events. I want to see some footage and some photos. God bless. Have a great one. I'll see you.